Hi friends, welcome to the Unshakable Grace podcast. I am your host, Jamie Lopez, mom of two beautiful girls, criminal justice graduate turned entrepreneur and a huge personal development and growth junkie. This podcast is for people who want to change their lives, know they are meant for more and are ready to create a life by design. My mission for this podcast is to inspire and motivate you to step outside your comfort zone, take action, do the work to build your confidence and work on your mindset to become unshakable and live a grace-filled life. We will grow together through weekly episodes dropping Tuesdays where we will talk about life, we will talk about love, business, mindset, and all sorts of things and hear real life stories that will inspire us to take action because as the saying goes, we are what we listen to. And as my favorite mentor Jim Rohn would say, for things to change, you have to change. For things to get better, you have to get better. For things to improve, you have to improve. When you grow, everything in your life grows with you. So with that said, strap in, hang tight, and trust the magic of new beginnings. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome back to the Unshakable Grace podcast. I am so stoked. This has been like two weeks uh, in a row where I have just some super special guests. Um, and again, this is another friend of mine who I would have never have met. Like I said in the last episode, I would have never had met if I wouldn't have said yes to an opportunity that I knew nothing about. Um, but basically, I just bet on me. I took a risk and it has led me to some of the most incredible women in my life who are not only women that I look up to, but that I've learned so much from and just set the example for, you know, motherhood and family and wife and faith and just so much. So today, um, today's interview is a really nice treat. Um, and so without further ado, let me just introduce you all to my beautiful friend, Kelly Montoya. And if obviously we're on audio, but if you would see this girl, she's freaking gorgeous. She's got those amazing, colorful eyes, blonde hair, um, yes, just super gorgeous. So my friend Kelly, welcome to the Unshakable Race podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. And once people hear the interview, they will understand the busyness of this woman's schedule. So go on. <laughs> Hello. Well, thank you for having me. Gosh, when you asked me, I was like, really? I get to? Sweet. I'm excited. I love every, all of your guests that you've had on. So I'm really, I really feel honored and you're just an amazing person. And just like what you said, saying yes to an opportunity brought people like you into my life. And that's something I will never regret. It's been such an amazing journey. Um, so I'm Kelly Montoya, um, a little bit of background about me. Gosh, I feel like, you know, now that I'm 30, almost 38, <laughs> like the history is a lot so young. <laughs> I know I feel so young. Um, I'm going to try to keep it kind of short and just give you like the cliff note version. Um, I, gosh, I played water polo in college. So that there was a story in itself getting me to water polo. Cause I didn't grow up playing it. I played it in high school and then went on to junior college because I had nothing better to do really at the time besides going to school. And then from there, I got a scholarship to um, the university in the town that I live now. And I played water polo there, actually became captain my last year, which was not something I was anticipating. And I think that that me becoming a captain then, and I've told everybody about this in high school and junior college, it was my skill that made me good at water polo. In four-year college, it was definitely more my leadership that made me good. It wasn't so much. I, there were people on my team much better than me, but I became captain more for my leadership than, than my skill. Um, and then from there, I got introduced to physical therapy. I worked as an aide 
during my last uh, year in school when I wasn't playing water polo. And then that kind of opened up the door towards physical therapy for me. And that's what I decided to do. So that led me to becoming an aide somewhere else where I met a lovely friend of mine who kind of talked me into going abroad for PT school to a school that was accredited. And I had not really traveled. Like I've traveled, you know, to, to Nevada and to Mexico, but I had never really like left home besides because my college was like four hours away. Um, so I went abroad. I lived in Scotland for two years for physical therapy school and then moved straight back to Bakersfield, California, where I was playing water polo at before, really just to get a job as quickly as I could at the same place where I was an aide. Because when I left there, they're like, hey, if you go to PT school, check us out. We'll give you a job. And you know how coming out of college is, you're broke. <laughs> you're broke. You're poor. <laughs> um, and I was super broke and I wanted to make money. And then going from living so far from my family, I was not ready to be right in the middle of the mix of my family, even though I love them so dearly. It was just like a lot going from not seeing them for a year to bam, like you're you're living with your parents again. So I moved straight to Bakersfield because I'm originally from Sacramento. And that is just where my story really took off and my life changed completely and for the better. I, you know, started working at a therapy clinic here in town. I met my wonderful husband like two or three months after working there and he's incredible. And him and I since then have opened up a PT clinic together here in Bakersfield. He primarily runs it because it's been his dream. But I told him the other day, you know, being a mom and a wife and then having to getting to like support him in that dream but really trying to be like the calmness when he's stressed out is like a whole nother realm for me because I'm such same with you, Jamie, right? Like I want to be, I always want to be the top income earner. I wanted to be the one with all the success. And it's definitely a new position for me to like take a step back from wanting to be like the breadwinner <laughs> to like, this is his dream and I'm fully capable to support him. And I feel like first time in my life, I've like truly take pride in supporting him and his dream, which if you met me 10 years ago, I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is one of the questions that I was going to ask actually, before we kind of switch gears here and start going into the whole family aspect, because I do know you and, and Ricky a tad bit, right? Like I've not been around him so much, but the times that I have been like, I see what you guys have and it's just so incredible, but everything that you've done before you've met Ricky, like you've done sports, you've done, obviously you went for your education at a very young age. And would you say that you were always disciplined from a very, very young age? Or was that, what, where, where did that come from? Honestly, I don't think in our household, which is what I want to create for my kids, we didn't have a choice. And this is something I realized was baggage that I carried from my childhood. And I had a great upbringing, but you know, everybody has their issues. Right. <laughs> and I can't say that I was always affirmed as a kid, which I mean, it was to my advantage because look where I'm at. Right. But I think it was just an expectation. It wasn't like, you have to do this, Kelly, you have to be like, you have to stay on track. You have to do this. But I don't remember my mom ever helping me figure out what classes to take in junior college ever. And I hear kids all the time talking about like how their parents are helping them and like taking them to account. I didn't even see a counselor. <laughs> like, I was just like, I got it. And my parents never even knew what my grades were from high school on. And even in high school, they didn't really care. It was just an expectation of like, you were going to do good, you know? And then even in sports, it was like, you just don't miss practice. It wasn't like my parents yelling at me that I have to go. It was like, it just was like this silent, um, I don't know, silent 
beast that was just like, you're going to go, you know what I mean? And then that's kind of rolled over through everything. Like it was just, I knew that I was going to be great or good at something. And I knew that there was a purpose for me. I just never knew what it was, but I knew like, you just keep putting one foot in front of the other head down one foot in front of the other. So even like, I look back at my education up to my doctorate, it took like nine years And when you look back, you're like, oh my goodness, that was so much time. But at the time, it just felt like you were taking the next best step towards your future. And then when you look up, it's like, oh, I'm almost a PT. Do you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of times people nowadays, they look up too soon and they take their eye off the road in front of them. And then they start to get distracted with other things. Oh gosh, I completely agree with you because I am of the belief that if you spoon feed your children too much then what are they going to be able to do without you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to allow your children to do things on their own and mess up and get back up, but be there for them, right? During those times, but you can't do everything for them. And I can see why your parents being that way has made you the woman that you are today because I see you and and yes, you're really good with follow through when you set your mind to something. Like I've seen you say, okay, this is the goal and we're going to crush it. We're going to go for it. And you get into action. So I completely agree with you. Like I, yeah, it's the same thing that I would say here. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel like, and I also don't like it. This is where this comes from too. I like to succeed And I even, I mean, to say like, I even like people to recognize that I succeed, but I don't necessarily like affirmations. Like I don't like to be told that I'm doing a good job. It's such a weird, like when you look back at- No, I mean, I get it. Like, like, I I think I talked to you about that where, you know, I've had to do so much work around that where like when someone would give me a compliment and I would get so awkward about it, right? And it was like, oh yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. When it was probably spring, you know, it's like, it's the weirdest thing because you don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. But I've had to do so much work around that because you're right. Yes, I think that everybody like recognition, but there are certain people like you and I, where we're like, we don't know how to take it when it's given. So, but you were saying, okay, so now we're at the point where you've, you know, you've uh, started physical therapy, you've met your husband. So now you're transitioning into that area, right? Like the, the, the wifey role, the still working, are you guys planning to have a family right away? Like what's going on in this part of your life? So my husband and I got married. I ended up getting married three days before I turned 30. So I was definitely older. Um, And so we knew right away that we wanted to, even though we had only been together about two years, we knew that we wanted to start a family right away. So we started trying right away. And I just kind of always knew that we were going to struggle to have kids. And I know that that sounds so weird and I'm not, I don't believe that God is a punishing God by any means. So I want this to come out right. But I always knew that things tended to always work out whenever. And I have a lot of hard stories that I won't share. Um, If you guys reach out to me, I'll share them with you. But like I, me moving to Scotland was a huge, was pulling me out of very dark, like moment in my life. I almost had to go to Scotland to get away from the life that I was going down. Um, And so but I just feel like they're okay. Well, God got me out of that. And then I got out of this situation. Then I got out of that situation. And then I met my husband who's just incredible and was perfect for me that I was like, I know that we're going to like hit a bump in the road. And it was definitely bearing children. And at that time I could say, I'd never really been through something hard. And I know that people have gone through things way harder than even I will tell you that I've been through. Right. And I know that. 
Um, but yeah, we struggled through, through infertility and we started doing IVF pretty soon. We were told pretty quickly that like, you're going to need to do IVF. So we, because we were older, we just kind of jumped into IVF. Um, I was told I'm going to give like a very cliff note version. And if anybody's listening to this, who's struggling through infertility, I understand your struggle, but I also know that my story is not like yours. Like you have your own individual story. And so just know that you're not alone, but sometimes you can feel alone in your own story. Cause not everybody has like what you're going through. Mm-hmm. So I've never met anybody who had our exact story. Um, so we struggled. So we started doing IVF right away. We got embryos, that sort of thing. And then what we thought was my husband's issue ended up now becoming my issue too. It was like, Oh, well, okay. Well now that we have the embryos, the man doesn't really matter, right? The, we have them now it's up to me. And I couldn't actually take like my uterine lining was too thin and all this stuff. So I was told really early on that I had to do surrogacy and I did not take it well. I don't know if anybody on here has hit a depression moment in their life or go through that a lot. It was very, very dark for me. I held everything in through IVF. I did not share my story with anybody. I think everybody always tells you, oh, just like, you don't want to hold it in. You got to talk to somebody. You got to talk to somebody. But what you get on the other side of that is unwanted empathy. Um, you get kind or of like solicited advice, unwanted advice, a yeah. lot of unsolicited advice, of course. But I think what I always like that sad look on somebody's face and that uncomfortableness that they feel around you because they feel bad for you. That is though a worse feeling than you're already feeling. So I just really didn't tell that many people and I didn't talk to that many people and I actually shoved it down. And luckily, I mean, the flip side of that is me and my husband really like, we, we didn't end up having kids till five years after marriage. And we like, we still enjoyed ourselves. Like we traveled, we try to just forget it was happening when we weren't going down to the IVF doctor and stuff like that. But long story short was told that we were going to need surrogacy. I was not about that. So I hopped around to different doctors and lo and behold, I had to do surrogacy. Um, and that's a story in itself, which, um, brought me back to my faith, which as you know, um, so I don't know if that's something you want me to go into, but we do have two beautiful. Yes. I mean, you know, I've made it clear on the podcast that I'm a huge believer, right? Like, yes, everybody has different beliefs and we're not here to impose our beliefs on anybody else. But I will not omit that I do believe in God and that my faith is very strong. So in God, right. And so go for it. I mean, so I feel like this is definitely because the, the rest of our conversation, I'm going to be bringing up God a lot because he's definitely, it's what guides me through life now. And so it's what keeps me disciplined and things like that. So I got to the point. So after I was told that I needed a surrogate, I, went home that night, that day, and my husband had to go back to work. So I went home to like a dark house. It was very quiet. I didn't have anybody to call because I wasn't really wanting anybody's affection at that moment. And I just walked into my master bedroom. I fell like hard on the floor, bawling, crying. And you know, that crying where you're just like, like you cannot breathe, like you're hyperventilating. And that's exactly what I was doing. And all of a sudden it felt like a blanket just covered me and calmed me. And immediately I was like, like I felt this sense of complete peace in a moment that was just so depressing that it could only be from God. Right. And I I got chills right now. (laughs) It is something that I will never forget. Right. And I do think God chases you like your whole life. You know what I mean? And I feel like all those times that like I was going down a dark path and I got pulled out because of an opportunity or situation that now that I look back, right. I know that that was God going, no, I need you to follow. Nope. Here you go. Like trying to save me. 
And in that moment, like I had denied God a lot. And that's a whole nother topic and story that we don't need to get into, but I just like pushed them away. So anybody who's listening to this, who feels like, oh, oh, only Christians are ones who've like lived a life where they've followed him their whole life. Not at all. I was very like, not about him. Um, but in that moment, I knew, I knew it was potentially God. And so I broke down again, just like in love and feeling comfort versus like fear and anger. And I reached out to a pastor friend of ours and set up an appointment to basically cry on his couch for two hours. Cause he had been trying to like bring God into my life very nicely. And like as a friend, but never overstepping himself. And so I knew that I could trust him. Um, but to rewind that same day, I had called my mother-in-law to talk to her about my struggle and I had never, and that woman has tried to like hear my story and comfort me through the whole thing. And I was like, get away, like, stop asking me. Like it's my husband's mom and she's lovely, but it was also like, I just needed space. But in that moment after God, like just filled me with so much love, I called her and we had an amazing conversation. She gave me the support that I was looking for, not what I was thinking she was going to give me. She actually gave me what I needed. And again, that's God guiding her conversation and knowing what I needed in that moment. So I cried on the pastor's couch for like two hours, like poor guy. It's like, what do you, like, I don't even know if I got words out. Oh my goodness. I cried and he, um, he told me one thing. So for anybody listening, he told me one thing that really like stuck with me. And again, I was not like, oh, now I'm in my faith and I love God and he's wonderful. I questioned God for, I mean, I guess you still kind of do sometimes. Right. But I was a like that door was shut and it just cracked open. Right. And it took like a year and a half, I think, to really push the door open more to where I was like, got baptized and stuff. Like I really was trying to like shut the door. Um, but he told me, he's like, God does not put it in your heart to be a mom. Cause he knew I always wanted to be a mom. He's like, he does not do that on purpose. If you, if he knew that you weren't going to be a mom and you prayed about it, he would take that away from you. Like he would take that off your heart, but because it's so strong on your heart, he knows you're meant to be a mom. You just might be asking the wrong question, right? You're asking, I like, God, make me a mom. God, get, help me get pregnant. When you should be asking, like, how do you want me to be a mom? Because I know that you want me to be a mom. Right. And once I started praying about that long story short, that's what led me back to, to surrogacy. So that was, yeah. So that was that, <laughs> but the faith journey was a bumpy one for sure. When I think that even just from the day that I met you, like I've seen like your progression with like in your faith, like I, I know where you were when I first met you and I know like where you are now. And I think even then just within those three and a half years, like your love for God has just gotten so much stronger. So and I, and I met you during, I, it was right during you had already started surrogacy, right? I think, yeah. Our surrogate was pregnant when I met you because I, yeah. Cause I even met a couple of our mutual friends, like while she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And to, to be honest, like I will tell this part of the story. So like I forced myself to go to Bible study and I broke down. It was an amazing women's Bible study. I didn't believe everything that I was hearing. Right. And I just like, it just seemed kind of surreal, like what people were feeling and seeing and like, you know, what they were talking about. I just didn't get it. Cause I wasn't a really like a strong believer, but I just kept going. I kept going. I kept crying to women and recognizing that these women were picking me up 
and not just like giving me advice, right? They were just comforting me and bringing me towards Christ's feet, right? And they were just, and it, it felt good that I just kept taking that step forward like I've done in my life, right? I just kept taking the next step forward, sh- forward, showing up to the next Bible study, talking to the next woman who was open to sharing with me and I shared with them like our struggles. That was like therapy, was going to Bible study because I cried every time I went. Um, but then like, Fast forward to me having kids, we have an amazing surrogate. She was a friend of ours who had offered, that's a whole other story because how that happened and how she offered, we weren't even that close and she's just an incredible person. But anyways, um, once I became a mom, I got stuck. I drank, like I'm kind of, I was a drinker. I'm not drinking anymore, but um, I was a drinker. So I was just like, didn't really change like my habits. I was a mom. I was a good mom, but I still was like, separated from God. Do you know what I mean? Like I was so busy with like having barbecues and having like friends over and still, and then the mom light, I mean, that took up most of it. Right. And then like, God just took a really far back seat because you have way more time when you don't have kids right? to like, think about it. I just didn't have time to think about it. And then when I had the time we would be having a barbecue and I'd have a couple glasses of wine, right. Which just kind of push him away. Um, so then I got invited to a mom's group and I was like, sure. Like I just said yes, because I wanted something for my kids to do. I wanted them to be socialized during the COVID time. Right. And I wanted them to like get out. So it was really for them. I was like, I think I'm good. Like I'm handling this mom job really well. (laughs) And, uh, little did I know. Um, so I went to the mom's group and I just remember judging every single mom. Like I was just like, they look so beautiful and perfect. And they're the table leaders. They're really good friends of mine now. So I can say this, but like, they're the table leaders there. And they just, I was like, oh, you know, they're the followers of Christ. What if they're going to be very like, you know, Bible thumping as we call it. Right. And just like pushing their faith on me and like, just, I don't know. I just had all these judgments. Well, what ended up happening is that they came just as broken as I was to the table. There was, and there was probably a hundred women there. And I never met one who like seemed like even acted like they were perfect. They all came broken to the table, wanting God's love, right? And wanting each other. I think that's one of the biggest separators for us as women and just in general, like for humans, like the biggest separators that we assume we know other people and we start judging without knowing. And little do we know like how much more in common we have that actually unites us rather than the differences that separate us. And so I think that that's a huge thing that when you finally start to see all the connections and all the things that you have in common with other people, you become less reluctant. And one of the things I was going to say when you were talking about, like you just kept putting one foot in front of the other, showing up to your Bible studies is that a lot of the times it's just that our heart is so shut down from, you know, from spirituality and our faith and, and the good that exists in the world that you're right, just showing up one more time starts to break down that wall little by little. And I think that that's what it eventually does for people that do continue to show up and do continue to have that little glimpse of hope that maybe the next time just gets a little bit better. And maybe the next time just gets a little bit better. Now, before we start talking so much about the moms, because I love this conversation where it's going. Oh yeah, that's (laughs) that's just the portion of my life. (laughs) One question I wanted to ask and feel free to say, no, you don't want to answer this, but did you ever have any any thoughts around the whole surrogacy where you have maybe had to work through them? Like during the time, yes, I, I, I've met your surrogate and she's, gosh, she's so beautiful too. Which is, I'm like, oh my gosh, all these women are so beautiful. So she's like, like, she does not look like she birthed my twins. That's she does her. not. Like she's so gorgeous. 
is. And know. so when she finally offered, did, were you, your faith obviously had been tested already. So were you for it immediately or was this something that you were still reluctant about even after she had offered that to you? So we started becoming friends and she offered really quickly, like her and her significant other were helping us like renovate our closet and cause they're very handy. And they just like, they stopped us one day and we're like, you know, we just want to throw this out there because I had told her about my struggle. I told her I did not want to do surrogacy. I told her I did not want my sister at the time being my surrogate because she's my sister. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I wanted us to stay sisters and not, I don't know. I know that that's a whole nother topic. And it was just like a weird thing. I didn't want it like, um, affecting mine and my sister's. Right, right, right. So, um, she had offered, I said, thank you so much, but no, I'm good. <laughs> like I was bound and determined to figure out why I couldn't carry and try to solve the problem. But God, of course had other plans. So I struggled, 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 finally found another doctor in Beverly Hills. That was like the best we went there and, we did a whole other egg retrieval because we only at that time we had, I had used one egg for my transfer. Then they had, they gave me a DNC, which even thinned my lining more. So it was like hopeless now to carry my own kid. Um, and then, so then I only had like two embryos left. And so my doctor in Beverly Hills was like, we need to do more embryos to get as many as we can to see if we can like start putting some in you. Well, when we did that egg retrieval, we got zero embryos. So we only had three, excuse me. We only had three embryos to work with. And that is when, and keep in mind at this time, I was praying a lot more. I was talking to God in the shower. I can't say I would like, you know, pray. I was just talking to him throughout my day. Like, okay, do you want me to do adoption? So crazy story is I prayed people came into my life where this, um, somebody introduced me to a girl who had adopted. And so I got on a phone call with her to hear about adoption. She recommended her adoption lawyer. So we were kind of thinking adoption over surrogacy. And that was just because money, right? Like I was like, I think this is going to be cheaper and I just don't want to borrow money. And, um, we were sitting with the adoption lawyer and at the end of our hour that we had to pay for, <laughs> we said something about an embryo and a friend off like wanting to be our surrogate. And he was like, why are you sitting in my office? You have an embryo. You have somebody willing to carry it. Do not do adoption. Adoption is not guaranteed. You can spend just as much money and it's not going to be, it could, you don't even know what kind of drugs, you know what I mean? Like he was just like, go <laughs> get out of my office. And I called her on the way home. And I think his, his, affirming the surrogacy thing and me praying with God saying, Hey, I'm going to walk wherever you guide me. And the fact that I was guided into his office, he's the one who told me like, no, you should do surrogacy really was like, okay, God must be guiding me somewhere. So I called her on the way home a week before she was getting married. And I was like, Hey, I know you're getting married next week, but will you still be my surrogate? Do you need to talk to your kids? And she was like, Nope, we're all good. We're all on board. Let's go. And then that's, yeah. You know, and that kind of just points out, like, sometimes we're so stuck on what we want and God is sending us like the way, right? Like how we're supposed the, the, the direction that we're supposed to go in. And he, he may send us, you know, uh, there's a saying that says, you know, you're asking for the cake and God sends you the flour, the pan, right. the egg, the oil and everything so that you can put it together. But because yeah. it didn't come in the package that you wanted it to you don't take it. And so I feel like this was like the guy telling you that was just like, okay, mm -hmm. I guess this is going to be the way, you know? And so 
I love that story. I had actually never heard you say that, that it was that one person who was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Or like over the grapevine, me yeah. trying to call her before I lost reception. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you carry my children. That's and crazy awesome. enough is that she was the one who offered to carry the twins. Like I would only put her through, like, I just didn't think, I would never say, hey, can you carry two instead of one? Yeah. She came to us one day and was like, hey, I don't want to go through this again. Not that we'd ever ask her to go through it twice. And she's like, uh, are you okay with just putting two in in hopes that I could just carry twins? And I was like, oh, what? like, where did you come from? You know, you're amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. From God. <laughs> I, exactly. I was like, sign me up. Yes. And she was in the experience of surrogacy for us. And again, I know this is not like everybody's scenario, it was so wonderful. (laughs) Like it just was such a great experience with the four of us really like just being able to go down to Beverly Hills together all the time. And her and I, she helped me name the babies and like, they are great, like aunties to our kids. And it's just like, it's been a really great experience. So yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly never get tired of hearing your story when it comes to that, you know, the things that you've shared with me, but Okay. So now let's fast forward a little bit. You were talking about like, okay, now you're really stepping into your faith. You're, you know, you're going to the uh, mom groups, you're going to the Bible studies and you were, like you said, you were judging people. Right. And so then you come to the realization that you have so much more in common with these women than you thought. And from there, your faith has gotten even stronger. I've seen you completely. I mean, even just in the last few months, your faith has gone, I would say like, solid mm-hmm. I mean for me to see like to watch you it's solid right and so like during that time what is it that changed what started changing inside of you so really it was stripping things away so as you know we did 75 hard together yes. <laughs> um and that was when you know we're eating clean taking away booze and I'm not saying that I'm alcoholic I'm sure people say that all the time but like we <laughs> just socialize around drinking so much like it's not like I'm not downing you know five cocktails in a night but it's like every night there's an excuse to have a glass of wine you know every event right. and so we stopped drinking. We started eating clean, which we kind of already did. And I've always been an athlete. So I was working out all the time. Um, but I got halfway through 75 hard and was like, okay, I think, oh, it's probably when I had to restart it. Remember I like messed up. Yes. yes. Started at day 43, I had to redo it. So I ended up doing like 180 days or something, but, um, I was like, okay, I think God is trying to tell me something. Right. So, and I did 75 hard during that first year in the mom's group. And honestly, it was stripping away the excess. Like once you kind of get over the no alcohol, once you kind of clear the fog from the clean, you know, from the bad eating. um, And once you get on a routine and you have a grasp of it, then I was able to think about other things and like, okay, what's God trying to tell me? So then I started waking up and decided to start reading the Bible front to back. You guys, I do not know anything about the Bible. I'm in uh, I think I just finished Proverbs. So I can only answer maybe some questions up till then. And I like, don't know. I really was not taught the Bible growing up. Um, so I was like, well, let me read it from start to finish. So I started reading that, that helped grow my faith, but I had to actively work at it. It was not like this, this choice that I made and then everything was perfect. And you hear that a lot. Like when you come to faith, that obviously the devil tries to strike you down more because you are a warrior of the faith that he comes after you harder. Right. And so I just had to do the same thing that I've always done, which is take one step in front of the other, show up and read the Bible in the morning, show up and listen to this podcast, show up and do this. And I was doing a lot of business kind of podcasts, but then I started switching to more faith because that is what was really filling my heart with the truth and helping me really become a better person more than any other book could. 
Um, so it was active work. And then I've recently given up alcohol for this year, for an entire year. And again, that's where, again, that huge step in my faith has come from. I felt like that pull from God. Uh, I think a lot of people know me. If you asked me December 28th, if I could give up alcohol for a year, it would be like an absolutely not. There was not, there's no way. It was something that I've kind of thought about and I prayed about it. Literally woke up one day before the first and was like, I'm giving up alcohol for a year. And I was equipped with strength that I've never had. And I've been good ever since like turning it down. And you guys, before I did that, I could not have done it. You know what I mean? There was just no way. So he kind of equipped me. So it's really stripping away the things that are tying you down, right? That are filling up your brain with things that are unnecessary. So social media, I'm on social media way less now scrolling. Um, like I do still listen to crime podcasts, but try not to listen to those as much as faith ones. Um, and things like that, it takes active work every day, but what I'm left with is life. Like I have happiness and life and light that I never had when I was drinking and like sleeping in, in the morning, you know what I mean? And not taking care of myself. So, and I think that that's with everything in life. I think one of the biggest aha moments, you know, that's for a couple of years now for me is that no matter what category of your life it is that you struggle in everything in life requires intentionality. Like you have to be intentional about where you want to grow and growth doesn't just happen, whether it's growing your relationship with God, whether it's growing your health, you know, relationship with food, um, whatever it is that you're trying to grow in, you have to be intentional, whether you feel like it or not, because feelings is not really something that we can rely on anyways you just have to be disciplined and say okay if this is really what I want to do then be intentional about it and make it a point every single day to do it the other thing that I wanted to say is that you're absolutely right that when you finally decide to commit to something that's good or to starting a business or to building your relationship with God the devil is going to be after you a lot more and just that much more stronger and so it's just I look at it as a test of life. Like how bad do you really want it? How, how, how close do you want to be to God? Right. Because I don't know. I feel that anytime you decide to do something good in life, be prepared to struggle more, be prepared to sacrifice more, right. Be prepared to go through at like the saying goes to go through hell to get to the other side of where you're trying to go. So, and even more so when it does have to when it does come to building your relationship and your faith and, and, you know, getting to that point of you, like you said, you've had the strength that you never had before, but I think that that's come because you kept pushing and you kept saying like, no, I'm doing this. I'm reading the Bible. You've let go of other things. And so, because you've been working on that relationship, it's gotten stronger and stronger to the point where now, like I said, it, it's a solid you know, solid relationship that you have. And I'm not saying that you're never, ever going to be tested again in your life, but I think that when you do, you're that much more prepared to get through the struggles and the things I, that, and I also, yeah, I mean, that's, that is so true. Man, I was going to say something too about that. Um, oh, like listening. So I was listening to the risen motherhood podcast. That's mm -hmm. like another one that's just solely about faith. So if you are, um, faith-based, it's definitely a good podcast to listen to. Um, but one of the things that she had said was like, you know, women tend to struggle with what their purpose is in life. And that's something that I've always struggled with. Like, hey, I know I'm meant for more, but what does that mean? Um, and she had mentioned like, 
if it's something that's going to move you in a, a step forward and it's something that is morally like okay like right and supported by god and people who you trust the most in your in your most in your faith support you in that decision go for it right that's a head shake from god to like take a step forward doesn't mean he's going to keep you on that path right um, and so I think even it's not perfect. I don't wake up every morning and read the Bible. Right. I, some days I just don't. Right. And then, but then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And then I do do it. Right. I keep going back to it. Um, so it's definitely not like a perfect trajectory by any means, but it's, it's one of those things where I know it's good for me. I know it leaves me in the morning feeling filled. Like my cup is full after I read the Bible, right? Or after I do like a Bible study. Um, and I think we need to listen to those feelings, right? And those are the things that we need to chase, right? It's morally correct. And it's going to, and it fills my cup. I'm going to go towards it, even if it's hard. I think sometimes it gets to that gray area where we kind of are forcing something that's not for us, that may be positive, but you're forcing it. So it, you're, it's lacking something, whether it's not really what God wants for you, or it's really not leaving you filled with love. Right. And like right. that kind of feeling. So I think being in tune to like what things are like, and you know, me, I've done, I do business adventures, but I look at all my cups and I pour into the ones in those moments more, I pour more water or whatever into those cups that are for God and are filling up my cup. And then what's left is going to go into the other things. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. listening to yeah. yourself is. Well, really and I think that, you know, getting kind of clear with what your values are, like, what are the things that you value? Like, I know that when I'm talking about you, Kelly Montoya, I know that you value family, you value your children, you value your faith and you value your family and friends, right? So yes, you might have other values, but what do people know you for? And that's because that's the type of person that you show up as. Um, the other thing that I was going to say in regards to that is, I don't know about you, but there are sometimes you're right. Like there's certain things that I would say, don't force it. Definitely listen to your intuition and listen to like what your heart is telling you. But I know that I've gotten to the point where like, if I didn't read, you know, my Bible, which I'm like, you, I'm not always perfect. I don't always get to do it in the morning. Um, but even just talking to God during the day, there are times where I've not asked for something or for forgiveness or just having a conversation or thinking or worshiping him. Right. And there's this uneasiness in my stomach, in my heart. And sometimes I try to figure it out and it just comes back to like, you know what, today I've done it alone. I've tried to do it alone. Right. And so I realized that sometimes when I do have that uneasiness is that I've not relied so much or thought about him or talked to him. And I've noticed the pattern that when I do go back to that, when I do go back to either praying or talking to him, there's some sort of like this, ah, like I let go and it's like, okay, now I feel better. It's just really weird. So I would definitely say don't force things, um, but definitely listening to like what your heart and what your intuition is telling you. Um, so I love everything that you've said so far. So now let's go into, because you are a, crazy busy mom of twins. So let's go into family um, and work-life balance. Like how in the heck do you do it all? Because well, looking from the outside, it's like, okay, she's a mom of twins. She's got her husband. And we know like as wives, like that's the thing is we have multiple hats that we have to wear, right? We have like the mom life, we have the wife and the household. And now I know that you're, you know, at the, at the office. Um, I don't know if it's every day or a few days, but there's just so many hats that we wear. And I know that we can't be perfect in every category of, a lot, or of our lives. So how do you, I'm not going to say find balance, but how have you found 
if you have found a rhythm of life to try to show up in the areas that are most important to you and just kind of put the ones that are not kind of in the back burner and be okay with it. Lots of prayer. <laughs> um, no, so, and to be honest, I, so I built my network marketing business. Sorry. I was a full-time PT up until the twins were born. And I knew early on in my PT career that I did not want to be working for somebody else. And I did not want a full-time job, right? Like I just knew I was not made to have a boss like that. Um, so I started network marketing and I built it up with an incredible company and it's been an incredible journey and they're amazing. And my story is not done with that. And I built it up to be able to replace my, my PT income. And that, and my story is not typical. <laughs> and I know that go to earnings, just kidding. Um, but I, I built that up. So then when I was a first time mom, I really didn't, I really put it on the back burner and I was able to, right. I mean, I still service clients and stuff like that, but I was able to do that for a long time. So I say that because I know much busier moms who go back to work right away. And I, I mean, bless your guys' hearts. You guys are the true warriors because now that I'm back to work part-time, like in our PT office, I'm just like, how do moms do this? How do they get home and have dinner on the table and have the house clean and go to work and come home and finish their notes? And oh my gosh, it's like, it's definitely a balance. And I'm in that season right now. So I don't have it figured out. But one thing that I can say um, is, so right now in this season, my kids are almost three in like two weeks. And they like, they go to school part-time, right? So they're in preschool Monday, Wednesday, Friday, like for like half a day. And I go into work now during that time, I go into our office to help my husband and I help him as a PT taking patients, right? Uh, we, we had somebody who, um, left for family stuff. And so I kind of had to step in so we could keep moving forward because we're trying to expand. Like we're in this moment where we're trying to expand and it's just crazy as a business owner to look at the future, but have to do all the work now with it yep. not showing. So we're in that stage. So my kids are part-time in school. So I'm doing that, but I'm also trying to revamp my uh, network marketing business because I love it. I genuinely like it. I love the people. I love the products. I love everything about it. So I'm also doing that. Um, but what I've been doing lately that has really been working, like when I work out and if you guys are listening to this and you see me at orange area, you guys probably know this. I am in the zone. I am there to work out and I let nothing else enter my brain. Well, granted there's some stuff, but then I run it out. You know, I work out hard every time and I leave it all at the gym. As soon as I leave those doors, I'm no longer the fitness person. I'm now the mom when I walk into the doors with the kids. Right. And I leave, I just shut the door. And then, um, I walk into the, the door and then I really try to be as present with my kids as I can. Half the time, I don't know where my phone is. Cause I'm just trying to be as full on as I can. And honestly, now picking up more hours at the PT clinic has made me more aware of my quality time with the kids, right? Where before I was with them all the time that, you know, sometimes you're just like, Oh, I need a break from them. You know, when I think it's like the saying goes, you have it when you have something, you don't really appreciate it. Until yeah. you it, right. So yeah. And then when you're gone, it's like, okay, you want to capitalize on that. And I want them to learn the most from me, like in terms of faith and discipline and guidance and stuff. I want it to come from me. So I have to be as present and as hands-on as possible. Um, and then when I go to the PT clinic, that's actually been a really huge blessing and a great escape. I've only been doing it now for like a month, like back at it. Um, I think I was telling myself in my head, the like for the two and a half years, I didn't work that I was just like, you know, I don't think PT is really my path. I don't think that's something that I'm super passionate about or like really, really good at like my husband. 
Well, I jumped back in there and I've had such an amazing experience and it's amazing how you can turn the switch on. It's like, oh, you are a physical therapist. Oh, you <laughs> actually have passion for this and you do like it. You just like it on your terms, like around the kids and the other things that are important. So it's actually been really nice being able to go to the clinic, turn off parenthood, turn off all the other hats that I wear and just be fully present with the, the patients. And I get to work with my husband, which is a blessing in itself, which I feel like some people can't say that and we get to. So that's a true blessing. And yeah. And then I come home and then I just want to be as present as I can with the kids. So right now it's really shutting the door when I walk through it and then opening it back up when I'm going into the next door. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I was going to say uh, right now that you touched on that is that one, I had this, like, I don't know what podcast it was that I was listening to the last time. And this is something that I've struggled with is that when I've said things or the story that I'm telling myself, right? Like, no, um, I would never do that. Or I, you know, I'll never do that again. Or in certain things, I think that the, the verbiage and the words that we use really do get to us. And one of the biggest, like aha moments that I had just, this was probably like last week that I was listening to a, a different podcast that it says that, it's okay to be in a season of life where you think this is not for you. And then maybe a few months later, it's like, no, this is for me. And it's okay to switch your mindset. Like it's okay to go back and forth on something, or it's okay to not be doing the things that you were doing in your twenties. And obviously it's even more okay because that just means that you're growing, right? Like that you're changing. And so one of the things that I, for me was, or has been really hard is that when I say like, nope, I'll never do that again sometimes there's this thing inside of me that might be bugging me again, or what if I try one more time, but that whole mentality of like, no, I said, I would never do it again. is stopping me. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's ridiculous. The things and the limitations that we put on ourselves when no one else is doing them for us other than ourselves. And so I think that it's perfectly okay to not want something right now in this very moment, but a few months later or a year or two, or, because you've gone through so much in that moment of, or during that time, during that phase, that could have changed you. They could have changed the way that you felt or thought or, you know, whatever it is, it's you're going through experiences that are changing your mindset. And so for whoever might be like me, who is, you know, stuck on whatever you said 10 years ago or whatever you said five years ago it's okay to feel different about that situation now or feel different about that job or feel different about whatever mentality you had in your 20s. Because I really do hope that the mindset you had in your 20s is not the same mindset that you have now, whether, you know, if you're in your 30s, mid 30s, like, like we are. Um, because then what does that mean? Is that you're not growing, you're not evolving, you're not looking at things differently from a different perspective. So if you're anything like me, I'm giving you the freedom right now to let you know that it's okay to go back to something that you might've said no to just because. So true. And I think it's okay. Oh gosh. And I, so there's two things. One thing is imperfection is a beautiful thing. And I think I fully embrace it. I think that if you were to ask me like, what like helps me take steps forward and put my head down and take a step forward is knowing that I'm going to misstep right? And being completely okay with that. And that's something I feel like I've always rolled with the punches most of my life and not saying I don't get angry and not saying I don't get mad and not, you know, all of those things are true, but I also am just like, okay, it feels like you're kind of like a bobblehead sometimes. And then like, you're being pushed in this direction. Then you just go for it. You put your head down and take a step forward. And I do think like, that's how I kind of take life. So like my husband and, and I right now are in the process of trying to like purchase a building or trying to like move our business in the next level. 
And I'm just constantly like, like, yes, we need to do X, Y, and Z, but it's okay if we do those things and it doesn't end up how it is, right? That's my personality because then that's God trying to steer us towards something different. And I feel like that's a beautiful point to get to in your life where and it probably has to do with maturity to be like, okay, when things do not happen perfectly. So even like my day, like I love working out and if it doesn't happen, I'm okay with it. Right. Because I do take care of myself in other areas of my life that I don't have to rely solely on working out. So that helps, but it's also like, it's just that imperfection of being a mom where you are pulled in so many different directions and wear so many hats that it's okay when the hat falls sometimes and you have to pick it back up. Right. And I think that that for one, it's way more relatable. So I think people can look up to you or look to you. I don't want to say look up, but look to you for guidance in some areas or at least for support because they're going to feel like you're relatable to them. And so I feel like that's what the mom's group done has done for me, but also even, even in the PT PT clinic, you know, not pretending like I'm perfect in there and being relatable to patients that come in. So um, that's really one thing that I just, I know that we were going to talk about advice, but I think just being okay with like not really knowing the next step. And then as a mom, really that imperfection, like balance does not exist, right? Mm -hmm. It does not exist. And I try to make it exist for a long time, but I just like, wherever I feel pulled, pulled, uh, I can't even talk, pulled the most is where I'm going to go the most. Right. And it does mean that other things are going to fall to the wayside, but I have to be okay. That and yeah. just you know, if I look like a mess half the time, that's fine too. So, and I'm so glad you touch on the whole like imperfection because I think that that holds us back in so many different ways because we are so worried about showing up perfect for the world, a world that is so imperfect. Yet, here we have these unrealistic standards that we set on ourselves, right? And so, for me, that's something that I've worked on for a very long time, not something that I have down to the T, but I think that the more I do it, the more that I show people that I'm not perfect, that, Hey, I do have this sex and Hey, I am going to show up, you know, show up in my podcast. And I might even say things backwards and guess what? That is who I am. So yeah. you either like it, you take it or you leave it. Right. Um, and so I love that you touch on that because I think there are so many, especially women, I don't know about men so much. I'm sure there are men who have, you know, that issue too, but I feel like it's mostly women where we set these standards for ourselves that are so unrealistic and they hold us back from doing so many things in our lives. Um, which was, you know, we were talking about advice, which, what would you say? Is that the advice you would, what advice would you give your younger self? Is that it right there? No, I mean, I guess I would say find God, like try to find him at a younger age. I feel like I feel okay with imperfection because of him, because I know that I'm imperfect in an imperfect, simple world. And it makes me feel not alone. It doesn't make me feel unseen. It makes me feel more seen by him because he loves me anyways, you know? And I think that a lot of people, when we talk about like that brokenness in people, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think that the fact that God loves us no matter what makes those, those broken parts kind of more like not creative, but I, I guess it just... I don't know, it just makes us different and it makes us um, more relatable to other people as well. You know what I mean? And I feel like if I knew that at a younger age, I would not have tried to seek out things that were very, that were from the devil. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and yeah. I wouldn't have chased um, affirmation from people who I didn't need affirmation from. You know, and I think if you look around in society today, I think a lot of people are just lost and it, it doesn't, I don't look at it as judgment. I look at it as like, you know, 
gosh, I just want to bring all these people to faith because if they knew that this God loves them for exactly who they are and for all their imperfections and for all what we see as brokenness, you know, I just feel like, gosh, what kind of woman would I have become? Not who I am today, you know, or maybe. And I think a lot of it is just because we have this over consumption of, you know, like the media, social media oh. platforms, <laughs> yeah. right? There's just so much that we consume that, yes, it's it's so easy to get lost in. I'm with you on that one. I mean, I felt like for a very long time, I would say that I was in that category of just feeling like, okay, well, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, what is it that really brings me fulfillment? And it wasn't until I really started building on my faith. And I started reiterating to myself, you know, that I know who I am because I know whose I am. And it was just that mantra that was just like, I know whose I am. I know whose I am, right? Like I'm God's child. And so it's helped me so much because it helps me put things down like social media. It helps me put things, you know, in the categories that they need to go where I don't get distracted from things that I really do want in life. And so when I do feel like I'm over consuming something, that is a sign of like, okay, you need to stop and go back to the basics, which is my faith, my family and my business, right? The things that make me happy. So, all right, we're going to, um, I do value your time and I know I'm taking, time oh, yeah, yeah. sorry, no, I can so, go off on tangents. I... <laughs> all right. So just two more questions for you, my dear friend. So what advice or tip or like recommendation, you know, can you give, you know, our listeners that would help them become more unshakable with a, I would say even like a solid mindset, a solid faith, um, or just to even have a glimpse of hope in their life. Like what, what advice or tip or recommendation would you give to them? I would honestly say, find a community. Like, I don't want to be mean, but shedding the people who don't service you, like service your purpose in life or service, you know, that compass of where you should be going, um, and find people like seek them out because, and, you know, not being so judgmental. So find your community because, I wouldn't be who I am today sitting right now if it wasn't for even the women in the, that mom's group, right? And the friends that I've created and I've met and I've grew in faith with since then, you know what I mean? They are truly who are shaping me as a mom and things like that, not just God, right? It's the people that he brought to my life. So find your community that's going to be a positive influence on you. Oh my gosh, that's so good because proximity is everything, like who you're surrounding yourself with. And I do think that, yes, if you want to upgrade your mindset, you want to level up in life, you want, whether it's business, family, whatever it is, I do think that your circle friends or the community that you are around is a priority that has to be evaluated. And if there's changes that need to be made, then I would say make them sooner rather than later, you know, so that your, your life does change. So with that said, I am so thankful for you and I appreciate your time. Where can people find you if they want to follow you and your beautiful babies? Uh, they're just so cute. You guys, he has a boy and a girl. They're the cutest things. They are like commercial, like, so like commercial ready, like the gap babies. That's how cute they are. So where can people find you? It's a biased opinion because you love them. <laughs> no, but they are, they're just so adorable with their big round eyes and yeah, just go follow this girl on her social media. Yeah. So it's Ka Montoya 15 on Instagram. And that's really kind of the only platform I have a Facebook, but I don't really check it. Instagram is kind of more my jam for sure. I'm not the best at posting, but I'll post to my stories a lot more. I'm trying to get better, but you know, not a problem. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. I love you so much. And I've told you this before. Obviously I'm super grateful that, um, God brought us together and awesome. it was in 
the weirdest way because we both chose to go into a profession that we, well, at least I knew nothing about, you know, and so I just think that everything happens for the best. And there are some amazing people that, you know, if you are a listener and there is something that you need to bet on or take a chance on, just think about the people that may come into your life that you are missing out on at the moment. So with that said, um, if you love this episode, make sure you share it with a friend, a family member, um, make sure you share it on your social media and make sure you tag me um, at underscore Jamie.Lopez. Um, and also make sure you leave a review or rate it. Um, but with that said, thank you guys. I appreciate every single one of you who comes back every Tuesday to listen to the, you know, to the new episode that drops. Um, but other than that, thank you guys and cheers. I will talk to you guys later.